two brothers were walking on their father's land. And they came to a tree that was bearing much fruit. And so they stopped. And they began to enjoy that fruit. And they ate fruit until they had their fill. And when they were getting ready to leave, one brother gathered as much fruit as he could to take it back home. The other brother gently uprooted the tree and took the tree back home. Well, you know what happened. The first brother returned home and enjoyed fruit for days. And it was delicious and it was wonderful. The other brother planted the tree, cultivated the tree, And he enjoyed fruit any day that he wanted it. Now, what does this parable illustrate? Well, Donald Whitney, in his book, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life, in sharing this parable, writes, The Bible is like the fruit-bearing tree in this story. Merely hearing the Word of God is to be like the first brother. You may gather much fruit from the encounter and even bring home enough to feed on for a few days days. But in the long run, it doesn't compare with having your own tree. And he goes on to write, through the disciplines, or we might say habits of reading and studying, we make the tree our own and enjoy its fruit. See, some of you gather on Sundays and you enjoy the fruit of the Word of God as it is preached and taught. And you take it home, it may last you for a few days. And that's wonderful. It's important that we come to hear the preaching of the Word. It's the most important day of the week. But if you don't have the tree of God's Word bearing fruit in your life daily, you are missing out. You can plant this tree in your life and gather its fruit every single day if you have the right habits. So keeping that in mind, I want you to look with me in the book of Psalms. Psalm 119, we'll begin reading in verse 161. We're going to kind of be all over the Bible today. We're going to start in Psalm 119, verse 161. If you're physically able this morning, I want you to stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word. So glad you're here today. Uh, I came up to the church yesterday morning to look around, and I thought, there is no way we're having church Sunday morning. Uh, But then the sun came out, and uh, it began to do its work, and I'm so glad we could gather for worship. How about you? It's cold outside, but it's warm in here. Amen? Warm hearts, because the Lord is with us. Psalm 119, verse 161. The Bible says... Princes persecute me without cause. But, though life is hard, I'm surrounded by trouble and affliction, but my heart stands in awe of your words. I rejoice at your word. Like one who finds great spoil, I hate and abhor falsehood, but I love your law. Seven times a day I praise you for your righteous rules. Great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. Wow. 
I hope for the salvation, O Lord, for your salvation, O Lord, and I do your commandments. My soul keeps your testimonies. I love them exceedingly. I keep your precepts and testimonies for all my ways are before you. Let's pray together this morning. Father, we come to you this morning in Jesus' name. And we again proclaim as a faith family that you are Lord of all the earth. You are the reason that we are here. You are the center of attention. So Lord, as we praise your name, as we, Lord, draw near to to hear you speak through your word, we pray that you would move with power. Lord, I pray that a touch of the supernatural would rest upon this service today. And I pray, Lord, that we would leave knowing we have met with the living God. Would you deliver us from going through the motions? Would you deliver us from religiosity? And would you cause our hearts to burn for you? The one true God. The one that we know personally through Jesus. So, Lord, would you move in our midst by your Spirit... And we'll thank you, Lord, for that grace. We love you, we praise you, we exalt you, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. We began a sermon series last week that will take us into February, and then we'll begin a sermon series in the book of Galatians. But we are looking at habits of grace. Habits of grace. Uh, That phrase is not original with me. It comes from a book that I read last year by a man named David Mathis, Habits of Grace. And last week, as we introduced this idea, I gave you a long sentence which defines what I mean by habits of grace. Habits of grace are God-ordained practices that we are to do regularly as a response to His grace and by the power of His grace in order to encounter the Lord and be changed. You remember last week we talked about blind Bartimaeus and the wee little man Zacchaeus and how they were changed because they were in Jesus' path. They encountered Christ because they were in his path. And I said to you last week, if we have the right spiritual habits in our lives, we are placing ourselves in Jesus' path so we can encounter him and be changed by him. That's what the habits of grace are all about. And I gave you last week three categories, there are a lot of things we're going to talk about, but three overarching categories related to these habits of grace. Again, these came from David Mathis. The three categories of these habits are hearing God's voice, that's the word, interacting with the word of God, having God's ear, that speaks of prayer, and belonging to the Lord's body. That means involvement in the local Church, And so I want to focus this morning on that first uh, summary of hearing God's voice. What is meant by hearing God's voice? How can we practically, daily, plant the tree of God's Word in our lives? How can we glean its fruit, not just on Sundays under the preaching of the Word, but, but every day? How can we practically build that habit into the rhythm and the fabric of our Life. Well, I've got two answers to that question. Just, just a two-point sermon. We'll probably be done in about ten minutes. All right. Just two, just two thoughts about how you and I can develop the habit of hearing God's 
uh, voice. Number one, be amazed at God's word. Be amazed at God's word. Psalm 119, verses 161 through 168, which we read together, is a passage about a a man, a young man we see earlier in that chapter, that is amazed by God's word. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible, and it is all about the word of God, about loving the word, uh, uh, reading the word, gleaning from the word, meditating on God's word. There's all these aspects of engaging the word of God in one's life. And I love that passage 161 through 168 where the psalmist just really just bears his heart. And he, and he wants the Lord to know, not only do I read your word and study your word and have the habit of being in your word, I love your word. I rejoice in your word. He says early in that section, I stand in awe of your words. How about you? Do you love the word? Do you stand in awe of God's word? If not, do you want God to do that in your life? Let me give you three thoughts that will help you to be amazed by God's word, to have this same uh, disposition that the psalmist has in our section that we read this morning. Three thoughts about the word of God. First of all, God has spoken. God has spoken. Over in 2 Timothy 3.16, the Bible says that all scripture is breathed out by God. That's the literal uh, that's a, a translation of the literal Greek word there, theonoustos. It's a compound word, God breathed. All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for reproof, for rebuke, for correction, for training in righteousness. But all of the word of God is breathed out by God. And we know through human instruments, about 40 uh, different people wrote the Bible, but he breathed through, through 40 human instruments so that when they were writing down the words that we have in our Bible, they were writing down the very words of God. So if they were writing down what God said, they were writing truth with no mixture of error. So we have here the word of God inspired by God, breathed out by God through human instruments, put down on paper so we can enjoy it and engage it. God has spoken. The, the Bible is God's word to you. I love this quote from D. Martin Lloyd-Jones, one of my favorite uh, 20th century preachers. He writes, Our only hope of knowing God truly is that he should be graciously pleased to reveal himself to us. And the Christian teaching is that God has done that. I cannot, listen to this, I cannot arrive at God by my own unaided efforts. I'm dependent upon God revealing himself. The question is, has he done so? The answer is yes, he has. And the Bible tells us about this. The Bible is God revealing himself to us. It is profitable for us to come to salvation, for us to walk with God, for us to glorify him with our lives. God has spoken. So remember, this is a, a special book. It is God's word. Early on in Sunday school, my teacher, Miss Pitts, taught us that the Bible was a special book. And she would even say some practical things like, don't set anything on top of your Bible. The Bible's a special book. So even to this day, I don't, if I put something on top of my Bible, I get it off real quick. Or don't put your Bible on the floor. It's a special book. And to this day, if I sit on the, I'll, I'll pick it up and, and put it somewhere else. It's always stuck with me. 
just, just that reminder that the Bible is God's Word. I was listening to a Christian radio station yesterday, and uh, this lady called in, and she was, and she was well-meaning and well-intentioned, uh, but she talked about how she had been going through a difficult time in her life, and um, she went to church, and she uh, was just kind of struggling and down out. She said, a, a man walked up to her and said, I have a message for you from God. And, and so she said, well, what is it? And he said, God wants you to know that you are his daughter, and he is with you. And she thought, I was so glad that God spoke to me. And I thought, sister, God's already said that in his word. He's already said that, right? I mean, if you just open your Bible, you'll see that he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And you are a, a child of God in Christ. You see, God has spoken. We don't have to look for other revelation. God's spoken already in his word. And so God has spoken. Number two, God's word is profitable. Back to 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for four things. For reproof. Uh, that means that, or for teaching. That tells you what's right. What's right. For reproof, the Bible tells you when you're not right. For rebuke or for correction, the Bible tells you how to get right. And then for training, the Bible tells you how to stay right. It, it's profitable for our lives. It, listen, it pays off to engage the Bible. It pays off to plant the tree of the Word of God in your life and enjoy its fruit every day. Carl F.H. Henry writes this. Even once for all revelation that has occurred in another time and place fills us with awe and wonder through its on, listen, ongoing significance and bears the character almost of a fresh miracle. Can I tell you this? When you have your time alone with God and you open up the Bible and begin to read and the Spirit of God is giving you the gift of of, of light and understanding, when that's happening, you are experiencing a fresh miracle. The supernatural activity of God in your life. God having spoken, the Spirit illuminating, and you get to do that every day. Experience God working in your life like that every single day. And then the Word begins to have its way in your life. And instead of being conformed to this world, you are being transformed by the renewing of your mind, right? That's how it works. And so God has spoken, and God's Word is profitable. But third, God's Word is living. Hebrews 4.12, the Bible says the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. What does it mean when it says the Word of God is living? Well, it means two things. First of all, it means that the words of God, as we just said, have ongoing relevance, significance, and power. If you'll read the Bible daily, you'll see how the Word of God addresses uh, your life and addresses what's going on in our society and addresses your role in the world. It is helpful to read the Bible because it has significance and relevance in your life and it has power. Power to change, power to transform. His word is alive. But also when we say the word of God is living, here's what we mean. We mean that he accompanies his word with his presence. I heard this quote from a preacher in Georgia named Michael Catt. He said, the Bible is the only book that when you read it, the author's in the room with you. 
that's good, isn't it? The only but when you read it, the author, God Himself is in the room with you. The Word is alive. And so if we understand that God's Word is Him speaking, revealing Himself to us, and God's Word is profitable, and God's Word is living, we will stand in awe of the Word and love the Word the same way that the psalmist does. So I think the first step in engaging God's Word, planting the tree of God's Word in your life, is to just be amazed. Just be amazed by God's Word. Remember what the Bible is. It is God speaking to us. It's not just some ancient religious book. This book is alive. As Adrian Rogers famously said all the time, you read other books, this book reads you. Amen? And so we need to be amazed at God's Word. But then secondly, and, and, and practically speaking, I want to encourage you to engage God's Word. To engage God's Word. I want to give you four ways that you and I can engage God's Word. Four ways that you and I can engage God's Word. Number one, by reading for breadth. By reading for Breath, exposing yourself to all of God's Word. Now back to 2 Timothy 3.16. Paul writing there under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit wrote, All, everyone say all. All Scripture is inspired by God. That means John 3.16. For God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's inspired by God. But so is that obscure verse in the middle of Leviticus. That's inspired by God too. Amen? All scripture, all 66 books, Genesis through Revelation, they are inspired by God. So you and I need to understand that it's all God's word and have a plan in our lives to read all of God's Word over a certain period of time. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, uh, Jesus is tempted by Satan. I love how Jesus battles temptation. He battles it with the Word of God. What a, an example for you and I to follow, right? And Satan tries to tempt Jesus to turn a stone into bread. And Jesus quotes from Deuteronomy. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every, listen, every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So you and I need to have a plan to engage every word of God over a period of time. So I am challenging you yet again to read through the Bible, to get a Bible reading plan. We've suggested the Discipleship Journal Bible Reading Plan. There are some copies available in the different lobbies. You can go to Google and type in Discipleship Journal Bible Reading Plan. It'll come, uh, bring up a PDF that you can uh, save on your device or print out or whatever you need to do. But it's just a little plan that gives you some boxes to check as you work your way through it so that you know where you are. Here's the great thing about that plan. There are readings from four different places in the Word of God in that plan. Uh, but you don't have to do all four of them. You can just do two of them and, and use it over two years' period of time. So you can use all four readings every day and read through the Bible in a year. 
uh, which is what I uh, do every year, or you can divide into half and read half the Bible this year and half the Bible next year. Listen, if you read the whole Bible in two years, that's better than not reading the whole Bible. Nothing magical about one year. The Bible doesn't say read it, I mean, read it in one year, but it's just kind of the rhythm of life that works for me, and we kind of think in yearly segments, so I think it's a good goal and a good plan. But if that seems overwhelming to you, divide it in half and read half the Bible this year and half the Bible next year. I promise you God will use that, right? Because you're reading all of God's Word. So get a Bible reading plan. If that doesn't work for you, you like another Bible reading plan, by all means use it. You can Google Bible reading plans and all different types of plans will come up. Uh, I know many in our church love the chronological Bible reading plan where they read through the Bible in a chronological way. And that's wonderful. That's very valuable to, to expose yourself to. So whatever works best for you. But have a plan. Because listen, if you don't have a plan, you're not going to read all of God's Word. And you need it. God spoke for a reason. He gave us Zechariah for a reason. Amen? He gave us Philippians for a reason. He gave us Revelation for a reason. He gave us Exodus for a reason. He gave us Habakkuk for a reason. He gave us his word to read. And so I want to challenge you. And if you hadn't started yet, you can go and get started. In fact, the Bible reading plan that I suggest has five flex days every month. Days to get ahead or days to catch up. So if you'll start today, if you haven't started, you can easily get caught up over those flex days. So I want to encourage you to begin a Bible reading plan. There's simply no substitute for it. It will change your life if you will build that habit into your life. So I want to encourage you to engage God's Word by reading for breadth, exposing yourself to all of God's Word. Number two, by studying for depth. By studying for depth. Look with me in Psalm 119. Psalm 119, verse 33. Again, a chapter that's all about the Word of God. Psalm 119, verse 33. The psalmist writes, Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, that I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding, that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies, and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things, and give me life in your way. So notice here the psalmist, as he engaged the word of God, wants to understand it. He wants to dig down into it, and... And, and glean from it and live according to it. He wants to study the Word. So you and I need to read all of the Bible for breadth, spiritual breadth. But we need to study, go a little bit deeper for depth. How do you do that? Well, I believe that the weekly sermon is an important way that you and I go deeper into God's Word. I believe that's one of the functions of the gathering of the body of Christ to, to study and read Scripture. Uh, really what I'm doing up here week after week is I'm modeling for you how to engage the Word of God. I preach expository messages, which means I, I look at a, a passage of Scripture in its context and, 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 and applying it to our lives. And, and that's what Bible reading should be. 
You're looking at a passage in its context and looking for principles that will help you to believe the right thing and to act the right way. And you're applying it to your life. And so uh, when we come together, we are, we're trying to go deeper into God's Word. Now, hopefully in 2018, Lord willing, you will think deeply about the book of Galatians. Because we're going we're gonna to just dive in and walk our way through it. And that, that's one of the purposes of the Sunday morning sermon. Also, connect groups. We get together in our uh, connect groups, and uh, we, uh, we engage the Word of God. We engage passage of Scripture. We use a, a model called Say, Teach, Do. What does it say? Uh, what does this passage teach? What are we supposed to do in response to this passage? So we are, we are studying the Word of God as a group, uh, talking together, applying it together, digging in deep. Connect groups are a great way for you to go deeper into the Scriptures. We have periodic uh, men's and women's Bible studies that will help you to go deeper into the scriptures. We have uh, we have these these different small group opportunities. Maybe for you, going deeper is a personal study, where you just, in addition to your Bible reading, you go a little bit deeper in a certain area. Maybe there's a particular book of the Bible that you want to understand better. So you say, I want to read it every month, and and and, and just make sure that every month I'm reading at least once through the book of Ephesians, and and I'm going to just just kind of slow down and, and, and study and maybe get a, a commentary to help me. I'm gonna, I, I, really wanna, I really wanna have a better handle on the book of Ephesians, something like that. Or, or maybe for you it's a particular doctrine. I want to learn more about the attributes of God. So I want to study those. Or I want to learn more about the names of God. So I want to study those. And there are helps out there to, to help you get there. Or maybe it's a Bible character. Maybe say, I, you know, I want to learn more about the life of Abraham. So I'm, I'm going to study in depth his life and, and, and really think about his life and journey with God. There, there are many different ways that you and I can go deeper. But here's my admonition. Read the Bible for breadth. Make sure you're reading all of God's Word. And then look for opportunities to dig. That makes sense? You, you saw what the uh, psalmist said in our first passage this morning, Psalm 119. He said, by finding your Word, it's like finding great spoil. When you dig down, you find treasures, right? So we study. We go a little bit deeper. And if you have questions on that or it needs some help, our staff is here to help you and encourage you in that. Uh, but we need to study for depth. Number three, how do we engage God's Word? By meditating for warmth. By meditating for warmth. Look in Psalm 119, verse 97. There are many verses I could have chosen for this point, but I love... Psalm 119, verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation. Watch this. All the day. Have you ever had the experience, I know I have, of doing your Bible reading? And you close it and put it back on the desk or the shelf, and you walk out the door, and if someone asks you 30 minutes later what you read, you have no clue. Raise your hand if you've ever been there. Notice I'm raising my hand, right? That's because we're reading, but we're not meditating. We're not slowing down to chew on it. Meditation, biblically, is entirely different than other types of meditation that you hear about. Other types of meditation are a kind of a self-centering, and emptying of your mind, that is not biblical meditation. Biblical meditation is filling up your mind with truth and thinking about its implications for your life. 
And so you read the Bible and you think about it throughout the day. And you've got to figure out what works best for you. You can maybe write a particular verse down that jumped out at you on an index card and put it, you know, on your mirror or on your desk or in your vehicle so you're thinking through it. Uh, what helps me to meditate is to pray about what I've read. We'll talk about more about that when we talk about prayer. But when I, I, I begin my prayer time by talking to God about what I just read. When I do that, it helps me to meditate and think deeply about the passage. Um, one person said that, that, that meditation is the bridge between Bible reading and prayer. And again, we'll talk a lot more about that. Thomas Watson, Puritan writer, wrote this. The reason we come away so cold from reading the Word is because we do not warm ourselves at the fire of meditation. David Mathis writes this, In meditation, we pause and reflect over his words, which we have read, heard, or studied. We roll them over in our minds and let them ignite our hearts. If you read the Bible and you come away from it cold, it's probably because you're not meditating. Now, meditation doesn't mean that, you know, you're going to walk away every day with chill bumps and warm fuzzies and, and it's not always like that. But, but meditation helps you to, to step into God's Word and just stay there for a while throughout the day, even as you're going about your daily routine and letting the Word of God marinate and, and, and have its way in your mind and in your heart. Meditation will warm your heart. It's almost like meditation gets it from your mind down to your heart. Does that make sense? So we, we read for breadth. We're exposing ourselves to all of God's Word. We study for depth, and then we meditate for warmth. And again, I'll talk some more about this when we get into our sermon on prayer. But then, how can we engage God's Word? By memorizing for strength. By memorizing for strength. Look back with me in Psalm 119. Psalm 119, verse 11. This is a well-known verse, one you've probably heard before, maybe. The psalmist writes, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. What does it mean to store up God's word in your heart? It means you are, you're, you're taking it as your own. It means you are memorizing the Word of God. So it is there for recall to help you throughout your day and throughout your life. So you and I need to memorize for strength. Again, there are Bible apps. There are guides. You can Google Bible memory. Uh, there are helps you can get at the Christian bookstores. Uh, there are all different kinds of ways. If you do, do just a little bit of research and come talk to us as a staff, we'll give you some help as well. But there are all types of resources out there to help you to systematically memorize the Word of God. You can just start on your own. Maybe, maybe as you're reading, write down a verse per week that really uh, God really used in your life and write it down on an index card or type it into your phone and, and, and memorize that verse. And at the end of the year, you'll have how many verses? 52, which I would guess is probably more than most of you memorized last year. Right? But that's just one a week. 52 uh, verses. And just think of something practical. Uh, a practical way for you to memorize God's Word. And in and, and, and that way, God's Word is hidden in your heart. And 
what I've experienced is when I have God's Word hidden in my heart, God brings it to the surface of my heart just when I need it most. A truth to share, something to share in an evangelistic conversation. When I have God's Word hidden in my heart, it is, it is helpful. It gives me strength in my journey. If I'm tempted, that, that, that verse uh, there helps me to, to think about fighting that temptation. If I'm, if I'm struggling or I'm weak, I'm weak, those verses about the, the strength of God come to my mind. Uh, you know, there, there are these verses that are planted in my life that give me strength. And the same can happen in all of our lives. So we need to memorize four strengths. How do you engage God's Word? By reading for breadth, by meditating for warmth, by studying for depth, and by memorizing for strength. I would also add, just practically speaking, uh, many people are great journalers where they write down uh, thoughts so it can go back to them. I, I'm not a great journaler. I journal in the side of my margins of my Bible, and that helps me out. Uh, but, but writing down, capturing some thoughts is very, very helpful so you can go back to them and chew on them at a later time. We need to, we need to capture God's Word. So how do you engage God's Word? Read it, study it, meditate it, memorize it so that you can do it, so you can obey it. Because remember, the Lord is not just looking for hearers of the Word. He's looking for doers of the Word. So the first habit of grace, or the first category of habits of grace, is hearing God's voice. You and I have the opportunity every day to experience the fresh miracle of God speaking to us. Be amazed and engage. So here's the point. With God's help, remember we said these are habits of grace. You need God's help to do it. With God's help, develop the life-changing habit of engaging God's Word. Place yourself in Jesus' path. And you can't imagine how over time, over time, God will radically, fundamentally change your life.